0: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 134. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Bug and I are here once again to share with you the magic within your favorite Atari games. And we've got um we've got one this week that's better than I expected, which is you know, always a pleasant surprise. You want a game that you don't expect much of to just blow you away but better than expected isn't all that shabby either but we'll get that to, we'll get to that in a minute. What's new in the world guys? Why don't we kick things off with our favorite segment, this one Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship or else he'll go splat he's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike On August 11, Mad Mike posted... Oh, he's talking about the stupid boat thing again. Update on water speed record boat and ice racer. Hopefully it will be in the water within three months. He's got a picture of this boat on a trailer. It's kind of a weird-looking little boat with a thing on the front that looks to me like the nose cone of a rocket. Uh, I know little about boats and even less about rockets. Comments include things like, I'm rooting for you, Mad Mike Use. Did you submit to Guinness Book of World Records for your rocket launch? He says, no, I did not even contact Guinness. They want people to pay $7,500 to have a rep there, and it does not pay anything to have a Guinness World Record. Really? Is it $7,500? So like those people who, I can jump rope longer than anybody, or I shoved more turkey legs in my ears than any other human in history. Those people, they have to pony up $7,500 to have somebody come watch them do this? Huh. If anybody out there from Guinness is listening, the the record book, not the beer uh, although, if the beer people are listening, uh, I'm I'm certainly happy to hear from you guys too. But is that true? Is it 7,500 bucks? Wow. Although, supposedly Mad Mike's raking in all his cash from uh, GoFundMe donations and you know selling his stuffed animals. No new updates on the stuffed animals, by the way. Uh, August 3rd, we reported last week he met with a toy manufacturer about a Mad Mike stuffed animal that should be available mid-November. I am dying for this thing to come out. I will sleep better cuddling with Mad Mike Hughes. Wait, that sounds weird. Moving on quickly. Alright, well, thus concludes this week's Mad Mike Hughes update. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes What else is going on? I don't have anything else on my news sheet here. I'm happy that Better Call Saul is back on AMC. As you're hearing this episode of the podcast, a couple of episodes of Better Call Saul Season 4 have been on. I really like this show a lot. If you are a Breaking Bad fan and you're not watching Better Call Saul, you're missing out. Um, if you weren't a Breaking Bad fan, you can still enjoy Better Call Saul on its own merits. There are It's enough of an independent show that you can still appreciate the characters, and understand what's going on. If you have the Breaking Bad background, it's even more uh, of a richer experience because you get some of the little Easter egg type things. Um, so I strongly represent it. I, I strongly represent it. Uh, I don't, actually. They're not paying me to endorse the show. I strongly endorse it, is what I meant to say. Bug has gone to sleep uh, on my lap. She's apparently tired of the news portion of the show. So... Uh, why don't we move on to this week's game? This week's game is... Captain, a earthling ship is attacking. Send out the saucers! Too late, Captain! He shuts them down! Dispatch the hopping droids! It's no use, Captain! He's attacking the mother ship! Quick! Sega. Buck Rogers, Planet of Zoom, Sega, 1982. This obviously is another tie in to a well known property. There was a Buck Rogers TV show that uh, came out just prior to this game. Uh, Buck Rogers, the character, of course, has a long history in, in movies and film, uh, in movies and TV, um, so it was sort of not surprising that they wanted to capitalize on that with a video game. There was an arcade game uh, and so forth. We'll talk about all that in a minute. The game, we're told, the setup is it's the 25th century. You are Buck Rogers fighting the battle of Planet Zoom. This is a race against death. Your ultimate and most powerful enemy is the deadly mothership. Not to get all philosophical here, but I think people need to expand their minds, man, to understand that you can't race against death. All you can do is live a good life. Also, um, a steady diet of cigarettes and uh, donuts might help you in that race against death. Uh, Avoiding those things might help you in your race against death. Just saying. Anyway, there are uh, 16 levels of increasing difficulty, each with four rounds of challenging space combat. Before you meet the mothership, your pilot skills and nerve are tested against deadly electron posts, alien saucers, and smashing space hoppers, which is eerily reminiscent of the space bopper in Cosmic Creeps last week. I have put my bopper away, and I'm getting out my hopper. Next week, I'm guessing there will be something in the game called the uh, copper, or stopper, or flopper, popper, whopper, topper. I'm just going to sit here and think of words that start with every letter of the alphabet and end in opper. Um, Zopper. Yeah, I want something called a zopper. That sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing. Anyway, what were we talking about? This is Battle of Speed, accuracy and Endurance. The game is... Your time consumption is crucial to your survival. If you deplete your time, you lose one of your five fighter ships. The faster you fly, the sooner you'll get to the mothership. Align yourself more time to destroy it. You begin with a full timeline when you destroy the mothership. Be aggressive, but don't be reckless. This is do or die cosmic combat, and it's the mothership or you. Alright, so I guess that's an okay setup. One problem I have with it is it's pretty vague what Planet Zoom is, and what the mothership is. Uh, Is the mothership something that's sent by Planet Zoom? Is it something that's attacking Planet Zoom? Do we like Planet Zoom? Who are the Zoomians that live on Planet Zoom? Why are we fighting them? Are we fighting them? I'm very, very confused. All we're really told is, get in your fighter, go out and blast everything that comes at you. Which, quite honestly, I guess is all you really need for an Atari game. We're a story-based podcast here, and we like more detail. Oh well. You begin the battle with a fleet of five starships, uh, fighter ships, that you have to navigate one at a time above the surface of planet Zoom and into space. Use your joystick to control them. Press your fire button to start the game. Push the joystick forward increases your speed. uh, Pushing the joystick back brings your ship to its minimum speed. speed. Pushing your joystick to the right will turn your ship to the right. Pushing your joystick to the left turns your ship to the left. If your joystick is angled up or down, while turning right or left, it will fly at that angle. Keep your fire button depressed for rapid fire. The object of the game is to destroy the mothership before the mothership and its deadly electron posts, saucers, and space hoppers destroy you. Your screen shows the view as you skim over the surface of planet Zoom. Beyond the horizon is outer space in your battle with the alien saucers and the mothership. The upper edge of your screen shows your score. To the right of your score is the number of electron posts you must pass through before engaging in the next round of battle. Below is your timeline, ticking down from right to left. As your time runs down, your timeline will change color to indicate the amount of time you have left. Green means you have more than half your time, yellow means between half and a quarter, flashing red means you have less than a quarter of your time left. When your time is depleted, your ship is destroyed. If that was your last ship, the game is over. If you run out of time before reaching the next level, You return to the first round of that level, minus one ship. Surfs of the planet Zoom changes colors, your battle takes you to more treacherous terrain with each level. In round one, there are 20 electron posts. In round two, electron posts and alien saucers. Round three, electron posts and space hoppers. Round four, the mothership and alien saucers. Each level is made up of the same sequence of rounds. As the levels increase, the number of electron posts you must pass through to advance to the next round of battle grows. As the number of electron posts increases the aliens also increase in number and density, basically spanning from 20 posts in level 1 to 34 posts in level 9 that are even faster and more close together than the last four levels. The remaining seven, seven levels of play, the number of posts increases by three each level, and every three levels decreases by three as the speed and density of the aliens' attack increases. The electron posts explode on impact and get closer and faster with each level, the alien saucers explode on impact and fly by in greater number and density levels of a difficulty increase. Space hoppers also explode on impact. As level of difficulty increases, the space hoppers appear in greater number and density. And the mothership, which is your greatest challenge and, your, and its destruction, is your greatest victory. No enemy is more cunning or powerful. The mothership can be destroyed only by hitting it twice. Alien saucers net you 300 points. Same for space hoppers. You get 500 for electron posts and... Mothership net you 20,000 points. The little bit of the uh, game that I played in the field report before starting the show today, it didn't seem like you could destroy the electron posts. Hmm. Maybe I'm just inadequate for this game. I'm just going to stop the show right now. No, no, I'll press on. Sorry, that was me clinking my coffee cup against this metal thing. I'm in a metal box today. I like to seclude myself within a metal box so that the uh, alien... Thought waves can't get through to me. It's very distracting when I try to record. Anyway, uh, strategic tips. Fly as fast as you can without crashing. That's a good tip. Thanks, Sega. You get more points for added speed. Saucers are more easy to hit as they fly past from behind. Enemies appear in waves in your battle with the mothership. Try to determine the rhythm of the waves. Don't be reckless. Your fighter ship steers with super-sensitive response. Super-sensitive? Really? That might be overstating things a little... Oversteering will cause you to collide with electron posts, alien saucers, or space hoppers. Alright, and that is how you play Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom. Atari HQ notes that the Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom game wowed everyone in the arcades, but never had a fighting chance on the 2600, replicating the astounding visuals of its coin-op brethren. When I was playing the game, I did have the sense that, wow, this would be really cool with what an arcade machine could do with it. I don't remember ever playing Buck Rogers in the arcade, but I do kind of uh, feel bad that I never got a chance to see it, because I think it would be really cool. Atari HQ goes on to say, As you would expect, the 26 version of Buck Rogers is stripped down from the arcade game in a big way, the Star Wars-like trench sequence is completely missing, and the graphics are simplified to the extreme. On the bright side, however, gameplay is quick and modestly challenging enough to inspire several repeat plays. For fans of the genre, the iMagic Superior Moonsweeper which I've never played, gets the nod over this one, although Buck Rogers isn't too bad of an alternative. 8-Bit Central did a review not of the 2600 version, but the 5200 version, which they said was a lot of fun to play. They note that as the Atari 5200 evolved, the games took on more of a 3D look than was attempted on the 2600, quite nicely in Beam Rider for the 2600, which I'm also not familiar with. The use of horizontal moving lines seemed to be the trick of the day for impersonating three dimensions on a flat screen. Not a bad tactic for 1983 and gives Buck Rogers more depth than one might expect in that era. The Buck Rogers arcade game featured one of those larger, more realistic joysticks with a squared off top, giving the player more of a cockpit sensation. The oversized joystick handled the direction of the ship while the buttons controlled speed and firing. The Buck Rogers arcade controls featured three buttons, fast, slow, and fire. The speed for the 5200 conversion is handled by the joystick and the fire button. Under their special, you know, interesting facts section, they note that the feature-length pilot episode of Buck Rogers for TV was released in a theatrical film several months before the series aired due to the success of Star Wars, released two years earlier. The Buck Rogers character was created in 1928 by Philip Francis Nolan and became a NASA, NASA pilot commanding a space shuttle that is that launched in 1987. Due to a life support malfunction, Buck is accidentally frozen for 504 years before a ship is found drifting in space in the year 2491. Which leads us into a segue to Buck Rogers in, in the 21st Century TV series. The series ran for two seasons, between 79 and 81. I am positive that I watched this show, although I don't remember much about it, other than the stupid little robot Tweaky. Uh, as noted, the feature-length pilot episode was released as a theatrical film. I think I read something that said they had tried the same thing with the Battlestar, the original Battlestar Galactica, which I also watched uh, the pilot for that show. The film and series were developed by Glenn A. Larson, uh, who was a huge name for a long time in TV, and Leslie Stevens, based on character Buck Rogers created in 1928, as we noted, that had previously been featured in comic strips, novellas, a serial film, and on television and radio. Uh, Inspired by the success of Star Wars, Universal developed Buck Rogers for television, with production beginning initially in 1978. They planned on making a series of Buck Rogers TV movies for NBC, but when Battlestar Galactica in '78 did well, they decided to release the first Buck Rogers TV movie theatrical on March 30, '79, and good box office returns led NBC to commission a weekly series, which debuted on September 20, 1979, with a slightly modified version of the theatrical release. Many props, effects, shot, shots, and costumes from Battlestar Galactica were recycled, because that show was still in production at the time that the Buck Rogers pilot was filmed. The series centered on Captain William Anthony Buck Rogers, played by Gil Gerard, a NASA USAF pilot who commanded Ranger 3, a spacecraft that was launched in May of 87. Due to a life support malfunction, Buck is accidentally frozen for 504 years before his spacecraft is discovered adrift in the year 2491. The combination of gases that he was frozen with are similar to 25th century technology for cryopreservation and the rescuers are able to revive him. He is told that Earth was rebuilt following a devastating nuclear war that occurred on November 22nd, 1987 and is now under the protection of the Earth Defense Directorate. Basically, the series is him trying to adjust to 25th century life and because of his unique pilot and combat skills and his personal ingenuity, he is able to help Earth defense with all sorts of uh, evil plots uh, you know, fighting evil plots to conquer the planet. The Wikipedia article says that this version of Buck Rogers is a little bit more like James Bond or Steve Austin than the original Nolan character, and he is aided in his adventures by his friend and sometimes romantic interest, Colonel William Deering, played by Aaron Gray, who is a starfighter and high-ranking officer. He's also assisted by Tweaky, a small robot or ambuquad, played by Felix Sela and voiced mainly by Mel Blank, who, of course, was famous for doing... Uh, a litany of Looney Tunes characters, including Daffy Duck as Duck Dodgers, which is a spoof of the early Buck Rogers and other science fiction serials. Tweaky became a comic sidekick and communicated with an electronic noise that sounded like biddy biddy biddy, but also spoke English, usually after saying biddy biddy bitty, for several seconds. It was super annoying. That's me, not Wikipedia. He also had help from Dr. Theopolis, or Theo, voiced by Eric Server, a sentient computer in the shape of a disc about nine inches wide with an illuminated face. He was capable capable of understanding Tweaky's electronic language and was often carried around by him. Buck and Wilma took their orders, at least in the first season, from Dr. Elias Heuer, or Heuer played by Tim O'Connor, and the ch- series' chief villain, at least in the first season, was Princess Ardala, played by Pamela Hensley, who wanted to contour Earth while making Buck her consort. The film had a $21 million budget. Or made $21 million at the North American box office, I should say, which was enough to have them decide to do the weekly series. And the series ran for 24 episodes in the first season, four of which were two-parters. Uh, the second season, I think they changed things up a little bit, changed the cast slightly. Um, there was an actor strike that delayed production on the second season. Uh, it did resume in the fall of 1980, but ratings dropped significantly after the premiere, and it was canceled after an 11-episode run the the season was abbreviated by the writer strike uh, by the actor strike so they only did 11 episodes and canceled the thing at that point without really any sort of series finale they just the last episode was just a regular episode in the year 1987 NASA launched the last of America's deep space probes. Aboard this compact starship, a lone astronaut, Captain William Buck Rogers, was to experience cosmic forces beyond all comprehension. In a freak mishap, his life support systems were frozen by temperatures beyond imagination. Ranger 3 was blown out of its planned trajectory into an orbit 1,000 times more vast an orbit which was to return Buck Rogers to Earth 500 The original Buck Rogers character was created as we said by Philip Francis Nolan in the novella Armageddon 2419 AD published in August of 28 in the pulp magazine Amazing Stories. The character's name there was given as Anthony. A sequel, The Air Lords of Han, was published in the March 1929 issue. Nolan was then contracted to adapt the story into a comic strip, uh, which he did with the help of the Syndicate John F. Dilly Company and editorial cartoonist Dick Calkins who did the illustrations. The hero's name was changed from Anthony to Buck and the strip first appeared in on January 7th 1929. Later adaptations included Radio in 1932, a film serial, a television series which we've talked about, and all of these um, adaptations became an important part of American pop culture. On January 22nd 1930, Buck Rogers first ventured into space aboard a rocket ship in his fifth newspaper comic story, Men from Mars. The popular phenomenon paralleled the development of space technology in the 20th century and introduced Americans to outer space as a familiar environment for swashbuckling adventure. Buck Rogers has been credited with bringing into popular media the concept of space exploration following in the footsteps of Jules Verne, H.J. Wells, and Edgar Rice Burroughs. All right, so after the break, bitty, 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 we're just going to do that for the entire rest of the episode. So get ready. I'm sure there's something on another podcast channel. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Flying down. Flying down to my hometown. Hey, everybody, look out. Lucky Buck is back. That is the only thing I remember from the one Buck Rogers comic book I owned as a kid, which was a tie-in with the short-lived TV series. I was probably seven or eight when that show came out. uh, And I have vague memories of the show mostly the Little Robot. uh, And then that's about all I remember from the one comic book that I had. It's been sort of an earworm in my brain for the many decades since. And I've passed it along to you. You're welcome. So I've turned on Buck Rogers and the plan of Zoom. Title card comes up. Buck Rogers Copyright 1983 Sega Enterprises incorporated and now let's play this sucker level one what I'm calling the slalom it feels a lot like Atari Activision skiing where you got to maneuver your ship through the you know, between the posts um, you can get a little dizzy with the way the, the screen flickers and, and scrolls. I don't know if the flicker is the game, or if it's just the fact that this cartridge is really old. Got that saucer, got that saucer, got that saucer, and that one. Oops, hit a post. You got the uh, constantly moving, not really changing, but moving. There's a space jellyfish. Alright. Whoa. Now we're flashing pick okay, I've moved on to the next part. Lots of saucers. Um, my laser doesn't shoot as far as it should. Guys, we've all experienced that. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, these clusters move really fast, man. I find as I get older, and I'm, I'm playing with the, the uh, basic was it CX-40 joystick, my hand cramps up uh, quicker than it used to. So I didn't really like this part of the game because... I'm having to shake my hand out here. All right, level two. More slalom. Hi, bud. Bud is helping me record once again today. Now it's sort of a dusky horizon. The uh, the mountains in the uh, in the uh, background there kind of feel like oh, what was it? Commando? Combat Fighter? I don't remember what game it was that had really nice um, landscapes. Sort of of invokes the uh, the, uh, Southwest United States. Got you, Squid. And you, Saucer. Oh, now I'm back in space? I guess I was on the planet Zoom before that. Uh, I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would. I like how the ship moves, even though your laser is a bit weak. Fans, This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart-by-Cart Podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at XEGS8Bit.com. That's XEGS, the number 8, bit.com. So here's the thing about Buck Rogers' Planet of Zoom. I kind of like this game. A lot of these tie-ins with, you know, movies or TV are not so great. Looking at you, Mega Force. And I didn't expect much from this. I did a little reading about it, some of which I shared with you in the first half of the episode. I didn't expect a whole lot from the game, but I thought, well, I have vague, you know, fond, if vague, memories of Buck Rogers as a kid. Eh, it might be okay. I actually kind of like it. It does kind of look good, and I kind of wish I had seen the arcade version. If anyone has a Buck Rogers Plan of Zoom arcade cabinet, and you want to ship it to me for free, uh, please do, so that I can play it. A functioning cabinet. You know, I don't want to have to get it fixed. And I don't want to pay for shipping, and I don't want to carry it because it's going to be heavy. So if you want to you know, send it to me for free, and have someone you know, politely and carefully you know, place it into my chosen space in my house... Uh, please do, because I kind of want to try out this game. But it's fun. It, it looks kind of cool for the you know, Atari 2600 limitations that it has. I also kind of want to see it on the 5200. I have a 2600 and a 7800. I don't have a 5200 in my collection. I kind of want to get one. But again, uh, if someone wants to send it to me for free, that would be quite awesome of you. Uh, I, I don't have the uh, the console or the games, so... You can send me Buck Rogers in the fifty uh, Buck Rogers Plan of Zoom for the 5200 the cartridge, but I also need you to send me the console. Okay, thanks. Um. So anyway, so I like the 2600 version of the game. Not knowing anything else about the other versions, it looks kind of cool. There's not a whole lot to the gameplay. You know, it's it's a shooter. You you fly around and shoot stuff. But I mean, you don't really need more than that if you have inter- entertaining visuals to look at. The lasers, as I said in the field report, are a little weak. Maybe it helps. I guess now that I think about it, I wasn't necessarily doing the rapid fire. Uh, I have a hard time remembering to do that in these games with rapid fire. So that might help with the hand cramping thing that I was talking about, too. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe the lasers shoot farther if you do that. I don't know. But I mean, that's my only knock on the game, really. And I think this is one that I will play more, which, as I've said many times, is really all you want. From an Atari game. Are you inspired to keep playing it? So, as always, your mileage may vary, and if you have thoughts on the game, send those to me. All right. Well, the game is fun. The characters are fun, I guess, except, you know, for you, Tweaky. Let's get on to this week's story. We're calling this week's story, Buckaroo Palooza. Captain William Anthony Buck Rogers piloted his starfighter into the heart of enemy space. That's how he did it back in 87, he said. Fly right into the lion's den. That's so, Colonel William Deering said, not really listening as she studied a control panel. Got myself banned from a lot of zoos, Rogers said. Deering didn't laugh. She never laughed. Except the one time Buck Rogers tried to convince the 25th Century Space Corps to switch to parachute pants because there's more room for your space junk. Colonel, Buck said, all formal now, setting coordinates for the mothership. I know, Deering said. I'm sitting right next to you, and I'm the one setting the coordinates. You still can't find anything, since there are no 7-Elevens to use as landmarks. As the Starfighter approached the mothership, a phalanx of alien saucers, electron posts, and space hoppers bombarded the Starfighter. Don't worry if you don't know what those are. Butt didn't know either. Deering just shook her head. Space lesson later, she said. Just blast them. For all his fish out of wateriness, Butt Rogers was a pretty good shot. He plucked foe after foe, but they kept coming. The fighting was even more intense the closer they got to the mothership. Planet Zoom wasn't going to be saved this way. Then Buck noticed something. Do you smell that? he said. "Oh, For God's sakes, Rogers, Deering said. Fart jokes still aren't funny. No, it's coming from the mothership, Rogers said. It's... it's... chicken fried steak? Okay, Deering said. The food pellets, or whatever they eat in the 25th century, didn't smell like anything except vague dissatisfaction. Enough of this space crap. I'm boarding that ship, Rogers said. Time to take the fight to them. Deering considered objecting, but was exhausted by objecting to things Buck Rogers wanted to do. 20th century humans are crap. The shuttle docked with the mothership, and Deering and Rogers stepped out. Their senses were immediately bombarded with the aroma of chicken fried steak and the twangy guitar sound reminiscent of 20th century country music. This is weird, Rogers said. I mean, weird even compared to me. The two made their way, weirdly unimpeded, to the control room. A solitary figure stood in the center of the room, cloaked in rhinestones. A large hood obscured his face with a ten-gallon hat perched atop that. "'Identify yourself,' Deering said, raising her laser rifle. "'Certainly, Colonel,' the hooded figure said. "'But, Rogers, I knew you'd come.' The southern drawl was thick and menacing. "'How do you know who I am?' Rogers said. "'Because... because I am your brother.' "'What?' Rogers said Before the hooded figure could explain A barrage of red, white, and blue guitars With little gold plaques Bearing Rogers and Deering's names Flew at the two But they dodged them easily Excellent brother The dark figure said And threw back his hood Revealing himself to be Legendary 20th century country music singer Buck Owens Rogers was beyond confused Like space toilet levels of confused You are the ruler of planet Zoom? Owens grinned Picton grinned if you like Gratuitous hee-haw, TV reference. Yeah, I am. But more than that, I'm your long-lost brother. We're kin, y'all. No, we're not, Roger said. Sure we are, dear brother, Owen said. I can prove it. We even have the same first name. That's not how familial relationships work, Buck Owens. Well, we're both from the 20th century, ain't we? Again, Mr. Owens. Come here, little brother, Owens said. Give us a little hug. No thanks," Roger said. "You're dead, like in 2006." Owen shrugged. "So, you died in 1987." Good point," Roger said. "Maybe you are my brother." Mouth agape, Deering stared at Rogers for a beat, then said, "Forget this. How did you become ruler of this planet?" It was a natural next step," Owen said. "I already conquered London, Tiders, Japan, Scandinavia, Kansas City, New York City, Hearts." Nashville, Bridges, Bakersfield, Rubies, Hot Dogs, and, um, Babies. Rogers sighed. Those were just songs and albums, he said. I've got a tiger by the Tail, Open Up Your Heart, a Carnegie Hall concert, In Japan, Buck Owens in London Live, Buck Owens Live in Scandinavia, the Kansas City song, I Wouldn't Live in New York City, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Ruby, uh, you recorded in Nashville, Streets of Batersfield, Hot Dog, and Made in Japan, Deering Stared at Rogers again. How do you know all... You know what, never mind. Oh, Owen said. Well, brother, songs are just expressions of the soul, boy. They're as real as you and me. What does that mean? Rogers said. Uh, well, it's been a long time since I wrote anything, you know. Give me a break. What the hell is going on here? Deering said, who really hated not knowing what was going on all the time. She even routinely scheduled her own birthday surprise parties. At that moment, Buck Owens started to flicker and shimmer. Within moments, Owens was gone, and little silver robot jerk, Tweaky, stood before them, looking sheepish. Well, presumably sheepish. It's hard to tell with that static, robotic face. Biddy bitty, bitty, Tweaky said. I thought I could fool you, Buck. 20th century humor is hard for us in the 25th century, Tweaky paused. For the love of God, make me a real boy, and free me from the eternal torment of emotional nothingness. Oh, Tweaky, Buck and Deering said together, laughing jovial, over the sound of starfighters being destroyed and people dying out in space, as the end credits rolled. Fellas, do you know how to crush a grape? No, how? I don't know how, how. Uh, Tell them you don't love them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Equal rights for women is okay, but there sure is some inequalities in their favor. What do you mean? Well, how come diamonds are a girl's best friend, but a man's best friend is a dog? <laughs> you know, Joe, this beggar, he comes up to me and he asks me for a quarter for a sandwich. What did you do? I said, let me see the sandwich. <laughs> Fighters really get mad at each other in the ring. Hey, well nobody should know better than Joe Frazier. Well, well, that's right, I guess. Did you ever get mad at your opponent, Joe? Yep. Hey, well, what made you get the maddest? Hey, when I hit a dude and he get after I put him down. (laughs) You're right. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance in Pinball Spring. Thanks also to Mike Mann for his Mad Mike update theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you know by now. Remember to zoom over to Planet iTunes and blast a review saucer with your hopper thing over there. Basically, go to Apple Podcasts and say nice things about the show. Tell them Buck sent you, whichever buck you like could be Uncle Buck from the John Candy movie if you want. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, which I hope you will consider doing. It takes a little bit of space credits to keep the uh, lights on here at the podcast. Also, I say this every week, the Atari Bytes store on Zazzle.com is going away, so if you want to get uh, some of the current Go Play Some Old Games They've Missed You stuff over there. Uh, hustle on over. Uh, zoom on over to Planet Zazzle. And pick some stuff up. Also, if you have suggestions on what you would like to see in a Atari Bytes store, let me know. Because I'm giving some thought to what maybe we could do different over there. Thanks. The website is ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And don't forget, I occasionally post weirdness on Instagram, the Atari Bytes page there as well. Don't forget to check out my other show. It's a podcast to Charlie Brown for all your animated Peanuts gang needs. You love Snoopy. Uh, you just need to admit it. You know people, surely, who love Snoopy. We do everything Snoopy related on that podcast. And not just Snoopy. The whole Peanuts gang. And not just the comic strips either. We talk about the TV shows, the movies, the merchandise, the man himself, Charles M. Schultz. If it's in any way, peanuts related, we're probably gonna hit it on that show, so come on over once a month. You won't regret it. Next time on Atari Bytes, warp lock. If you've experienced warp lock, just uh, do some extra stretches. It'll work it right out. Trust me. Hum, we'll find out more about that next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,